we are going to transition into a little bit of rapid fire. And so let's, let's try to keep this as quick as we can. But we want to get to know you a little bit. So this is for both of you. How long were you two dating before you got engaged? You guys were, no. You, I think we dated know. for like a year and three months before you proposed. And then she was like, I want you put a ring on it. So I did. I definitely did not pressure you to propose. I, I never I once felt, talked about it. I felt pressured. Maybe from other people, not from me, that's for sure. Uh, take okay. it back right now. I take it back, sorry. Sorry. All right, we'll go on to the second You're one. right, I'm wrong. All right, which, which one of you guys said, I love you first? I did. Got it. Okay, can we go into that just it was three really seconds? Sweet. I said it. And Devin said, thank you. <laughs> and then he said, why do you love me? So I described to him the reasons why I loved him. And he was like, I'm just not ready to say it yet. And I said, okay. And then she held bitterness for the next, like, six months. I mean, literally, he waited six months to tell me that he loved I wasn't me. ready. I wasn't going to say it. But you happened to be ready on Valentine's Day? How cheesy is that? I just thought that was solid night. It I don't know. It was so cheesy. I literally was mad when he said it. This is a window into our relationship. I try to do something, what I thought to be a good idea or romantic. Come on, guys. You guys know that would be a good, good night to do right. it. it was and I said, love terrible. you. Oh, shut up, ladies. <laughs> All the girls are like, Shit. no, but meanwhile, you're like, God, send me a man's right now. I need a man's <laughs> literally this moment. I don't care when he says I love you. I just need somebody to love me, God. Okay, whatever. <laughs> All right, these were, rap these, were, these were rapid fire. Yeah. These Sorry. Were, exactly. You know what I mean? We were, yeah. Exactly. I just, sometimes got you just it. get worked up, you know? I oh, just, got it. Know. Okay. All right, All right. Natalia, let's, let's go to you. Uh, when and where was your first kiss with this young stallion himself, dude? <laughs> tell me where, tell me how, tell me when. <laughs> I want to know what the deal is. It's actually a really funny story. So our first kiss happened. We were on, um, if you're familiar with Milford, there's like this lake um, along the bike trail. And there was a bench right by the lake. So we were sitting there talking. And then that's when he kissed me for the first time. And he leaned in, leaned in to kiss me, and as he's kissing me, I don't know why something funny came she to my mind. She burped in my face. I did not burp. I did not burp. I just laughed into his mouth and blew all this air into his mouth. It felt like a burp to me. I don't know. It definitely wasn't. Uh, listen, let me just tell you something. Wait, hold on. I was silky smooth, too. I was like, yo, girl, let me tell you something. I Speaking of burping while you're kissing, I don't know what was like what was wrong with Devin for the first three months that we were dating. He burped every single time That's he would kiss me. So not true. It was true. And you said, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong with me. It happened once or two. You did it the first time we I kissed. I didn't burp. I just laughed. I went in for the kiss, and I'm pretty sure not only did she burp in my face, I like kissed her tooth. It was like weird. <laughs> I was like, Such what? This doesn't. What? Okay. You can yeah, we're gonna going. we're gonna yeah, we're gonna press past going. this one. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna switch we're gonna switch it a little bit. Uh, I'm going back to you because I want you to get, have oh, some firepower yeah. tonight. Keep it coming. Uh, what is your let's just say biggest pet peeve about Dr. Devin Fry? <laughs> can, do I only have to share one? You can. You know, we I talked about list. the list you had. I know you had a list. Yes. We can do. Mm -hmm. 
maybe top two. Okay. I'll give top you two. two. So the biggest pet peeve yeah. that I have. She's just trying to be cool in front of her friends. No, right I'm not. Now. I'm That's being it. honest. Is that when Devin comes home, he leaves an item, a personal item of his in every single room of the house, including the bathroom. Like he'll leave his shoes in the bathroom. I'm like, can you please just put all your stuff away? Like, I take care of everything else in the house. Just Dev, put your own stuff away. Dev, I'm going to give you a chance, man. I'm going to give you a chance on this he one. He has no chance. I mean, he knows Like, he I want to hear. I mean, I need something from you right now, man. Like, can you elaborate on this? It's my house. I can do what I want with it. Okay. Oh, you know what, dude? Oh, yeah. That's not give the right answer. Give him a answer. boo. That's not the right answer. Sheesh, dude. I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to, like, you know, tear him right. down so much that he's like. All right, Devin, let me what give you, you. What do you love about loses me? Loses his manliness. You know what I mean? I don't want to do that to him. This right. is not going so well. I'm gonna give you. Either. I'm gonna give you some firepower though. Okay, let me give you some you. firepower. Thank you. Let's be careful though. I want to be careful. Wife, you lift. Let's be careful on this one. But one word. One word to describe. I'm saying one word, not a phrase. One word to describe your wife first thing in the morning. Yikes. The devil. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's not true. Um, sensitive. Just, just, you know, just sensitive. <laughs> like, you know, sensitive to God, sensitive to. Jokes. Yeah, we're going to hop into the next part. Um, no. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, yeah, that's it. That's the one. He doesn't That's know me, apparently. Uh, mm, okay. Yeah, let's go on. We're going to move on to the next part here. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> all right. We have some more rapid fire. Let's keep it a little bit shorter this time, please. Uh, praise God. Uh, we have some online audience questions. And so that was from y'all. And so um, I'm going to go I'm going to go the first one. Either of you can take it. Uh, why does God tell us that we should wait to have sex until we are married? Fair question. Okay, quick rapid fire answers. I would say sex complicates things. And so I was just counseling a couple recently. I was telling them, listen, I think it's good to wait. One, because if you added sex into your relationship right now, that would complicate it and convolute it so much more. And uh, Lord knows you guys need some more development in your conflict resolution. You need some growth areas in your finances. And then when you had sex before marriage outside of God's context, ultimately, I think it just complicates things so, so much more and also clouds your judgment. And so that would be one of the major reasons. Also, it's just because God said so. And so I didn't write the book. Ultimately, I want God's favor on my life. And so if God said it, I want to have God's favor. And ultimately, if you think about it for a long-term experience, uh, if you're going to get married to this person, and we'll talk about this in a minute, if you're going to get married to this person, you'll have a lifetime of it. And so what is a couple years, a year, two, three years in the waiting process? From the grand scheme of things, it's not that long. And so I think it should be a struggle. Um, if, it, if there is no struggle, that's a whole different problem. But it should have a bit of a struggle. But a person that's self-controlled before marriage is a person that won't be self or it is a person that will be self-controlled after marriage. And so it's a good process. All right, let's go on to the next one. So in Proverbs 4.23, uh, the Bible instructs us to guard our heart because everything that we do flows from it. And so the online question says, what are some practical things that we can do to guard our hearts? 
I did, I did a whole message on this. This would be a great thing to go back to the podcast about. It was called Heart Attack. And so the heart has four chambers in it. The uh, two atrials and two ventricles. And so you need proper blood flow in and out of your heart. And so the four kind of chambers of the heart in my eyes were you need hope, you need vision, you need forgiveness, and you need covenant relationships flowing in and out of your heart if you want to really have a healthy heart and get rid of some of that breakups and, and hurt and baggage. And that, that flows pretty good into the next one, too. Um, and so we had somebody online ask us about heartbreak. And so coming out of a relationship, because we all go through it, but how do we overcome it? Have anything? I mean, I, I think ahead. you answered it with that last response, too, with, you know, forgiving the person that hurt you, forgiving yourself, maybe, if you made some decisions that led to the heartbreak itself, um, learning how to, like, have vision for your future. Hey, this relationship didn't work out, but a relationship will work out. Um, this is not God's best for me. I know what God's best for me is. This is what his word says. So I'm going to believe in the promises that he has, you know, spoken over my life through his word. And what were the other two? So covenant, hope, covenant relationship. Hope, yeah. So go, I th- go back and watch that message. It will really help. Yeah. So I think all of those things tie in with, you know, how to recover from a heartbreak too. And it takes time. Give yourself some time to work through it. It's not going to be healed overnight. But I think if you're um, actively pursuing healing of your heart, you'll get there. Totally. I think uh, uh, there's a common cliche in culture. I was just talking about this on Sunday. Time does not heal wounds. That's a foolish just principle that is in our culture. Intentionality heals wounds. And so what time will do is actually creates numbness. It creates an infection is what time will do. And so you don't, you don't, you catch a sickness, but you don't catch a healing. You have to pursue healing. Mm-hmm. That's what intentionality will do. And so uh, there's a common cliche also in our culture, forgive and forget. No, you can forgive and that's healthy. It's, it's the role of a healthy heart, but forgive and learn. Mm-hmm. That's what you should do. What lessons did I learn from this and what can I apply to my next relationship or to my current status of just being single? I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes about wholeness. It's going to be so powerful for you. But uh, I would say that forgive and learn. Don't forgive and forget. And we didn't discuss this, but I kind of wanted to dig just a little bit deeper. And so say to the person that just maybe they're in a relationship right now and they're in a place where they know that they don't want to keep moving forward. And so maybe it's not a healthy relationship. Maybe it's not something somewhere that what they need to be. And so they might even be feeling heartbreak on this side of it, and they might need a little bit of courage to get through it. And so what would that look like practically? Knowing that you're not in a good situation, what would you do for your next step? You want to say something, babe? Okay. Um, first of all, great question. I think uh, I'll answer another question with this one. There was a person that submitted, I believe, on the uh, 508 uh, Instagram. They said, you know, do you believe in the one? And uh, ultimately, I'm not, a, I'm not a subscriber to believing that there is the one in your life, but I do believe in soulmates. What is a soulmate? A soulmate is healthy for your soul and necessary for your assignment. You should write that down, by the way. So they're healthy for your soul. What is your soul? Mind, will, and emotions. So your mind, your will, and your emotions, those are benefiting because of this person coming into my life. But it's not just that. They're also necessary for my assignment. So if I have an assignment on my life, I have a mission on my life. Ladies, let me tell you something. This is so good. And write this down. Never submit to a man that doesn't have a mission. What is the word? The Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. 
And then it says, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. I've taught this before here. But ultimately, ladies, are you a woman worth dying for? Man, men in the room, are you a man worth submitting to? Yeah. That is a ooh right there. Yeah. <laughs> However, I just think you need to know, a man without a mission is a dangerous man. Don't submit to a man without a mission. Because a man without a mission is a man that will just go and do whatever he wants. What did David do? He was supposed to go off to war. And at the time when kings were supposed to go to war is what the scripture says, he stayed at home. He wasn't on mission. And what happened? He saw Bathsheba and he committed a sin. And he ultimately ruined some of his life. And ultimately his firstborn son died because of that sin that he committed. Because he wasn't on mission. That was such good theology, by the way. And so I just think you need to know, uh, find a man with a mission, a soulmate is necessary for your assignment and suitable and healthy for your soul. I can't remember if I even answered the whole question, but there was a little tangent right there. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's hop into the next segment. So we have, we have three focus areas for tonight. So it's waiting, picking, and dating. And so, you know, I know you guys, here's the thing. I, I know you guys are married. Um, I'm not married. You know, I'm a single guy. I'm a single guy. So I com I'm coming from this thing from a different perspective. And so when it comes to waiting, I, and I, I'm asking for a friend. You know what I mean? I'm asking for a friend. Uh, anybody single? Who, how many single people in the house tonight? Quick, look Praise around, look around. God. Quick, 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 yeah, before yeah, the hands yeah, go yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm single. Single people, yeah, make single some too. noise. Okay. Make some noise in here. Yeah, yeah. Great. A lot of desperate people in this room. Especially in the front row. <laughs> Especially that one laughing right there. So, so my question to you, Pastor Devin, as a single person, um, how do I wait well? What does that look like? What does the process look like? How can I be waiting well in my single season? How do I wait well? Um, well, I think of life through, I'm a list kind of guy, so I always have, like, that's how my brain works. And so for me, I see, like, five different categories how do you wait well? Uh, like I said, find a mission and find an assignment and find your purpose. And so a person without a purpose is a dangerous person. So I would have five categories. How do you wait well? Well, become a boss. Become good at stuff. You know, how do you wait well? Uh, get good uh, spiritually. Get healthy spiritually. Get healthy uh, physically. Get healthy emotionally. Get healthy sexually. And get healthy vocationally. So f those five categories. Find I said this on my Instagram recently. Don't just find a job. Find a career. Yeah, it's, it is really good. And so don't just find a job. Find a career because, listen, you can't live off of love. You're going to starve to death. So you need, you need to make sure there's a career so you can support somebody. There's a whole book of the Bible called Job, okay? I'm just kidding. That's not what it's about. But No, you, you, need, you need a career. Find something and get good at it. How do you wait well? Oh, I'm working on myself. I always ask, this, I always ask people when somebody says that to me, and I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, oh, you know, I'm just focusing on different things. What does that mean? <laughs> no, work on these five categories, sexually, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and then what was the last one? Vocationally. Good, Can good I job. add something to that, too? I think um, a lot of times people view singleness as a negative thing, like, it's bad to be single. It's, it's horrible to be single. You know, people look at you differently because you're single, and none of that is true. Singleness is actually a gift. Come on, so I believe good. that God allows us to go through seasons of singleness. Like, he knows our hearts. He knows, like, if you want to be married, you want to find that person, he knows that, and he will take care of you. He will make sure that that happens in your life. But 
I think that when you are in that season of singleness, be faithful with that season. Matthew talks about so if you're good. faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. So be faithful with that season of singleness because you'll have that responsibility, the, the blessing and the burden of being in a relationship and being married down the road. So you have freedom while you're single. Live it up. Like make the most of it. If you're focused so much on I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone, your perspective is all jacked up. You got to change that perspective in order to really enjoy the most of being single. So good. Yeah, singleness is a gift. It's a gift. And if you're not content being single, I promise you, you won't be content being in a relationship either. And so if you want to be in a relationship, learn how to be content fully by yourself. You know, I'm going to stop and pause it for a second. I want to talk about wholeness for a minute. Uh, I read this whole book called Wholeness by Tore Roberts. If you want to have a book and write it down. Uh, I know my girl Anna uh, highlighted uh, Tore Roberts to me. But uh, listen, this is what wholeness is. This is how you know you're whole. You don't need to be perfect, and you will never be perfect, but you can be whole. Okay? See, a lot of people think marriage is the end goal. I don't want to be, I've never wanted to be married. I want to be happily married. A lot of people don't settle. They, they just plan, and they have relationships, and they just end up being married. I want to be happily married for the rest of my life. And that's why you got to pick well. So here's, here's how you know you're whole. Uh, you have sufficiency. Write these down in your notes, okay? Uh, you have sufficiency, adequacy, and generosity. That's how you know somebody's whole. Now let me break these down for a second. So sufficiency basically means I have enough. Nothing, I don't need anything else in my life. I don't need more money. I don't need another job. I don't need another person in my life. I have enough. That's, that's sufficiency. Here's adequacy. Adequacy is I am enough. And so I don't need to add another thing to my repertoire. I don't need to add another thing to my identity. I am enough because I am enough in Christ. It's not found in a job. It's not found in a person. It's not found in a career. It's not found in anything else other than Jesus Christ. I am enough. Can I get an amen, everybody? So there's sufficiency, adequacy, and the last one would be generosity. So you know somebody's whole based on whether they're a giver or not. Are you generous with your words? Are you generous with your forgiveness? Are you generous with your money? Are you generous? Are you a generous person? That's how you know somebody's hope. There's sufficiency, adequacy, and generosity. That help anybody in here? I hope so. I hope it was that was a whole book right there. You just got in three, three little words. I think that that transitions pretty well too, because you talked about, um, and I think we should stay here for a little bit. Personally, in my life, this is something that, and I want to share a little bit of my testimony. Um, but I want to talk about purity a little bit. And so you, you talked about that being almost like a prerequisite. Like you should, be, you should be moving toward a life of purity if you're looking into a relationship. And that's how you wait well. And so we had a, we had a question um, online. It said, how do I live a godly life of purity in a culture that celebrates a lifestyle of impurity and immorality? And so what does that look like for us? I think the deeper question to ask is why why should you fight for your purity what's why is it so important to live a life of purity and I think a lot of times uh, people confuse the word purity with abstaining from sex and sex or sexual acts is a byproduct of purity but that is not what purity is purity is actually the condition of your heart so if your heart is pure that means it's not it's not mixed with other things that can remove or or dilute the purity of the condition of your heart. And I think a lot of times people who fall into impurity 
um, their judgment gets cloudy. So they don't see God as clearly as if, you know, your heart is pure. If you're in a pure state of heart, your soul is, is pure, your spirit I think that that's where you can see the fullness of God, the goodness of God, like his glory is fully revealed to you. But when you're living a life that is impure, that's where you struggle to actually see the fullness of God the, or even to be able to draw even closer to him. So so I think that that's why it's so important to understand what purity is and why you should fight for it. It's not so much about like, yes, you want to protect your, you know, your sexuality, but I think that's that's just a byproduct of living a, a pure life with a pure heart. Absolutely. That was a great answer, by the way. Thanks. Good job. Thanks. That's it. That's all I had to say. Um, I'm just going to echo that. Yeah, that's good. Yep, go ahead. We got limited time. So I'm just so good I got at plenty this. of stuff to say, but I'll let you go. All right. Uh, all right, so let's move on to... Um, We'll go on to picking. We'll Actually, go on. you know what? I want to go back to it. Uh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so That's Devin, I, ladies and I gentlemen. think, forgive me, I think illustratively. So um, you know how yeah, anybody ever had a glass break before? You know, you're somehow it breaks in front of you. You clean it up as much as you can. And then you realize, you know, two, three, four weeks later, you're like, oh, my gosh, there's a little shard of glass right underneath the couch that I've been missing for a long time. That ever happened to anybody in the room? Like, it's happened to me a few times. And I break glass all the time in my house. I'm just kidding. I don't that's do that. what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. That's why <laughs> shoes are all over the place. Okay, um, bring it back around. Um, this is what happens a lot of times in relationships. Is you get into a relationship and you have your heart broken and glass gets shattered. And what you don't realize is actually there's a piece missing from you that has been under the couch for a long time. And three, four, five even years later, you don't realize I actually lost a piece of me way over there with that relationship. And that's why it's so important that you've got to guard your heart and be careful with who you are intimate with. See, culture is this way. Culture says intimacy first, information second. And what Kingdom Way is, is information first, get to know somebody, and then intimacy. That's the Kingdom Way. And God does not say don't have sex because he doesn't want you to enjoy it. God is the designer of sex. This is a good God. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> Thank you, God. But how many know the designer knows how he created the design? And so he's trying to protect you and heal you and make sure you don't have pieces of you left off away somewhere. And I want to let you know that our God is so gracious and he is so good that sometimes he is the only one, the only one. A therapist can't do it. He is the only one that can heal the broken, fragmented pieces of your soul and he can put it back together. He can do that. That's our God that we serve and that's the God that we love. Um, I do want to add something else too. So if you're, if you're sitting in here and you're feeling like, you know what, I've been struggling with that. Like, I feel like I'm in a place where my heart's not pure and I really want to, I want to work on that. I want to change that. I want to encourage you to be honest with yourself. Like, where are you struggling with impurity? Like, where are you struggling to stay pure? Be honest with yourself. I think talking to someone that you trust Maybe it's your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Maybe it's your, you know, mentor. I really strongly believe in mentors, having someone who's wiser, who loves you, who can speak into your life, and you can actually take what they say and know that they're saying it because they love you. They have what's best uh, for you in their mind. But I think, too, like, set yourself up for success. So the Bible talks about, you know, if, if something causes you to stumble, cut it off, okay? So, for example... 
a lot of people, men and women, struggle with pornography. And I think that, you know, I know lots of people who will get to a point where they're like, I feel so convicted about this. I don't want to struggle with this anymore. I'm going to talk to someone about it. I'm honest about it. I don't want to struggle with it anymore. It is a struggle. I'm going to do something. They talk to someone. That person helps to set up accountability for them. Like, put this on my computer so I don't get any of these, you know, you get notifications if I go on these sites, or whatever it is. That's all great. But then you're hanging out with your friends, okay, and then they decide, oh, I want to watch Game of Thrones. I'm not hating on anybody who watches that, but there's a lot of sexual content in it. And if you struggle with pornography, you're doing all these things to set yourself up for success, but yet you're sitting there and you're watching a, a show or a movie or having conversation that can set a trigger in your mind, you're gonna open the door to go back to that place. And so I want to encourage you, be honest with yourself, be honest with someone, and take the precautions necessary to protect so yourself. So good. Good job. So I hope that's helpful, too. Amen. Yeah. Now that you're adding something, I'm going to add something real quick, um, and then we'll move on. But when I was 14, I had somebody that I highly respected basically tell me that in order to have fun and to live a good life and to maximize this high school experience that you're going to have, he basically painted this picture that, you know, you need to sleep with as many women as you can. You need to go out, drink, party, smoke. And like, so I grew up in a culture where that was celebrated. And so I was very confused when I was 20, when I got saved and I looked at the Bible and now I'm reading the Bible in my room. I'm like, this is not the way that life was created to be. And so um, now when I look, look, look back at that experience and I look at um, some young men today, um, I think it's very important, especially for the men in this room, to stand tall and to stand in purity. I think there's incredible power. When I look at a man who stands in purity, I respect that man because yeah. I know what it takes. Yeah. I know what it takes to get rid of that stuff. And by the way, when I was dealing with pornography, masturbation, all these different things that you deal with sexually, I went to a pastor and I said, I need help. I need you to help me. Like, I, I can't, I do not want to live this life. Like, I want to live, I want to be pure. David, David in, in Psalm 51, he talked about, he, he asked God, he said, create in me a pure heart. He said, create that in me. I need help. And so don't be afraid, man or woman, to ask somebody for help. Amen? Amen. All right, we got we to gotta move on. Let's be real. All right, let, let's go on to, let's go on to picking, picking. So, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start at the bottom, Dev, because uh, I kind of wanted you to go back to part one. Um, and so when looking for my spouse, where should I look? Where should I look? Do you want me to answer? Uh, go ahead. So I would say don't look at all. The reason, the reason why I say that is because when you focus so much on looking for the right person, you're not focused on yourself and making sure that you're in a healthy place. And that distracts you from, you know, achieving the goals, the dreams, the visions that you have for yourself because you're so focused on looking and you're not looking at yourself. So I would say, don't look. That person will come your way and I honestly believe that God gives you discernment. I also don't believe that there's one person out there, but I do believe that God allows people to come into your life and he gives you discernment to feel people out and decide, you know, 
how do I connect with this person? Do we seem like we're on the same level? I also believe in making lists. I believe you should make a list about deal breakers, like a person's character, what you're looking for in a person, and expectations for relationships. Because if someone comes into your life that meets those lists, I'm not talking about anything superficial. Looks will change, all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a person's heart. I'm talking about their character. If you make a list of all the things that are non-negotiables for you and you meet people who can check off that list, that narrows down your options of who you would want to partner up with as your you know, so spouse. So, yeah, I would say don't look. Let people come into your life. God gives us free will to choose him. So, of course, we have free will to choose our spouse. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So that's what so I would good. say. You guys want to give it up for her? That was a brilliant answer. It's not what I was going to say. That was really good. Yeah, my response was better. It's, I literally just honored you in front know, of everybody. Thanks, thanks. You're awesome. Thanks. <sighs> This is my wife. This is my marriage. This is my marriage. Pick well, guys. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I love my wife. Um, he did. He married up. I'm just saying. <laughs> Can you honor me for once? God, woman. Yeah, awesome. That did not feel real in any way, shape, or form. Whatever. Okay. I love you. Uh, listen, I think this would be really good for you to write down. Um, the, the root word in dating is data. And so when you're dating, you're collecting data. So you're collecting information and wisdom. And so you want to make sure you properly choose somebody well. And this is a, a belief that I've recently subscribed to, but I firmly believe it. Is listen, if you're not ready to get married, don't date. Don't date. Why? Because don't play with somebody's heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't, we don't date. Hear me, everybody listen to me. I need you to focus on me. I'm just trying to be a good pastor. We don't date to have fun. We date to get married and build something together. And so too many people want to date to have a lot of fun. And that's the quickest way to break your heart or to break somebody else's heart. And that's why we have such a broken culture and broken humanity is because we date to have fun. If you're not ready to get married, you are not ready to date. Period. Mixed signals. Huh? Talk about mixed signals. Mixed signals? Yeah. Why don't you talk about it if you were? <laughs> so something that Dev and I were talking about is a lot of times with men and women, we send mixed signals to each other, like, oh, we're just friends, but then we send... <laughs> what are you doing? Are you serious? But then like we mixed send signals. mixed like, signals. Like, that's mixed signals. Like, like back before <laughs> the summer where we started dating. We started dating at the very end of summer. Oh, jeez. Like, five well. years ago. It's great. And it's great. It's middle great. of summer, he has this... I don't know what happened to him, but he went through this thing where he decided, I don't know if we should date. I don't know if I'm ready yet. I need some time to think about it. I'm like, okay, honey, you do you. I'm going to do me. I'm going to enjoy the rest of summer. Peace. So I... That's not how it went. She was like, no, daddy, don't go away from me. Are you serious? I would never say that. Never, never. I have way too much respect for myself to say that. Yes, thank you. So She didn't didn't say that. It was like that. Be quiet. So, Dev... Took the rest of the summer to figure out what he wanted. I was enjoying life. We, <laughs> wrapping up the summer, we were at a friend's birthday party, and he decides to give me a ride home. So we're in the car, and we're talking. He had said, you know, let's just be friends. Okay. So fast forward to this party. He's driving me home. We're talking. He puts his hand on my leg. And I turned, and I looked at him, and I said, 
take your hand Shut off my leg. Shut up, everybody. I turned to him and I said, take your hand off my leg. And he was like, what's wrong? And I said, friends do not do that. If I'm your friend, don't put your hand on my lap. She had a bug on her knee, okay? That's what it was. Oh, yeah. It was a bug. I was just like... He thought I was being funny, so he kept laughing about it, but I was so very was. Was serious. Because if he's my friend and he's putting his hand on my leg, what does that tell me? He wants to be more than friends, but he's saying otherwise. So he was sending me mixed signals. So if you're friends with a, someone from the opposite sex and you're close, do not give them mixed signals by being super flirty or touchy-feely because they're going to interpret that as, oh, they want something more. And you're like, no, I don't. I just, I'm just friends, and I, I like you, like, but not like that. You're going to end up breaking someone's heart. So when we say guard your heart, we mean like, you know, protect yourself. Don't overthink a lot of those things, but also don't receive that type of behavior either if, if, if things have not been made clear. Can you use one story that makes me look good ever? Like, is that possible or? Devin cooks me breakfast every morning. <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's you better amazing. clap. Shoot. It's great. He does a great job with that. What do I make? You make scrambled eggs. He cuts up fruit. He toasts some bread. Yep. I, uh, almond, uh, what is it? Coconut whipped cream with the fruit. My guy Mac right there. Yeah, yep. thank you. <laughs> Literally, we have it every day. I'm brilliant, y'all. He's great. He's great. All right, praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> Woo! Yep, I think okay. I answered like 15 yeah. questions on yeah. there. Yeah, okay. Um, so let's be quick on this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's be a little, so let's, so let's do, let's do some values. And so let's talk about the list real quick. Let's be really quick. So first Timothy 4.12, it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. It says set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. And so those are good values, but I wanted to kind of touch base with you guys. What are some good values when you're making your list? It's not, I mean, I wouldn't hate a Brazilian woman. You know what I mean? I wouldn't hate it. But I guess that's not part of the list. He what likes are that some Latino values? Heat. So, so real quick, just to define it, uh, you live in by by your definitions, by the way. And so, you want to make sure you're doing a list of values, not characteristics. So, some people would be like, "I want a tall man. I want a dark man. I want a strong man. He's got to be. He has got to have at least 75 grand." Th these two girls right here, they're doing it right now. <laughs> uh, uh, I, they need to have 75 grand in their bank account. How many would like that? Come on. Um, but those are characteristics. What you need is values. You know, I want a godly man. I want somebody that loves their family. I want somebody that respects their mom and respects their dad and honors them. I want somebody that's very honorable. Those are values, not characteristics. Uh, want to give some suggestions to them? I would say, like, ladies, I would say look for a man who knows how to lead well and that loves Jesus, you know, not so much that he goes to church, because there are lots of people who go to church and they could care less about developing their spiritual relationship with God. But I, I mean, really loves Jesus. If you can focus on those things when you're meeting people and you find them attractive, and yeah, chemistry is great. There should definitely be chemistry. But look for a man or be um, accept a man that can lead well, that loves Jesus, because he will lead your family well. If you are the one who has to drag your boyfriend to church, you're going to be dragging your husband to church. And that's the example that you're going to be setting for your kids. And that's the kind of stuff you have to think about. You have to think about the future. You absolutely have to, because we don't think about it now. 
but we pay the price for it later. So good. So think about that. And that's why I say make a list. Those are deal breakers. If they don't check that off, forget it. Sorry, not the right person for you. And you're better off. Totally. Uh, I ask a lot of people this question because we have people on our couch all the time. And I ask them, uh, could this person be the father of your children or could they be the mother of your children? And a lot of times people have such quick and swift answers. They're like, no, absolutely not. Why in the world are you with them then? Seriously. Because we don't date to have fun. We date to get married. We date to build something together. Dating is for data. We're collecting information to find out if this person is suitable for my soul and necessary for my assignment. So uh, that's why we date. That's why we pick well. That's why it's so important that you go through some of these lists and you define it properly. Uh, have a list of values, not just characteristics. And I'm telling you, it helps so much. And can I dive deeper on that? This will probably be the last question for tonight. Um, and I'd like to hear from both of you on this. And so what would the role in dating specifically for the man and the woman? So what would that look like, say, for you in pursuit and for the woman? So what would that look like? Um, well, I would think my, my head goes crazy in some of these things because I have so many different thoughts I could share. Uh, ultimately, I think there are like five stages of life. I'll try and go through it quick, but basically you're born a boy or a girl. And that's even attacked in our culture today. Identity at a young age is even being attacked. Uh, so boy or girl. Um, then you grow up into basically be a man or a woman. And then there is a husband and a wife. I missed one of them, but I'll forget it. And then the last one will be a father or a mother. And so you're looking towards the future. Here's why I say this. You're looking towards the future. And so is this the person that could be the father to my children? Is this the person that could be a mother to my children? And so ask that question. And if they couldn't, then why are you, what are you doing with them? Because a father provides these three things. They provide an identity, they provide protection, and they provide an inheritance. What's an identity? It's just giving you, helping you know you. And so that's what a father provides. That's why so many people don't know who they are is because they don't have fathers in their life. But I got good news for you. Even if you don't have a biological father, you can inherit a spiritual father. And that's why you need spiritual community is because God, Psalm says it like this, God sets the lonely in families. And I love this about the local church. You might have been thrown to the side, uh, father or mother abandoned you as a young kid or a young woman or a young man. But let me just tell you something. God provides families for people today still. He really does. And so a father provides identity, a father provides protection to make sure, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guard you, I'm gonna guide you into this path of life. I'll give you some stuff. I'll make sure you figure out some things. Sometimes you've got to get some bruises because you'll learn some lessons. And then an inheritance, you're giving something away. And so how to choose somebody well, are they providing those three things? Or could you see potential to provide those three things? Yeah. I would say um, for women, I think the way, I think women dating is very similar to married women. You, in a relationship, you have to practice a lot for what you want to see in your marriage. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about the way you conduct the relationship. So you allow, the man is the head of the household. The man is the head of the relationship. So you allow them to lead, but the women are the neck. So you help steer them in the right direction. So, I mean, going back to purity, if you're struggling in your relationship with purity, women, you have the keys to help steer them in the right direction because you are the neck in the relationship. It's the same thing in marriage. Your husband will be the 
leader of the home, but you influence a lot of those decisions because you are the next. So keep that in mind. How you practice in dating is how you will be in marriage. If you have an unhealthy dating relationship, it's not going to change for the better when you get married. Marriage is not going to solve any problems. It will just magnify it. It'll blow things up and it does not make it easier. In fact, it's more painful. So what's good when you're in a relationship will become great in a marriage. What is tough in a relationship will become horrendous in a marriage. And so it just becomes exaggerated later. Yeah. So I would just say practice, you know, what you want to see in your marriage, healthy communication, healthy conflict resolution skills. Dev and I started dating and six months into dating his dad, we, we did not do very well. There were a lot of things we were compatible in, a lot of things we were great with, but there were a lot of big things that we really needed help with. And his dad actually suggested, why don't you guys do pre-engagement counseling? It's not so that you can get engaged. It's to see if you're even like the best fit for each other to go there. If you are not, this will help to expose that. And if you can't help, you know, work on those things together, if you cannot fix your problems, then you guys are not, you guys should not move forward in your relationship to get married. And so we did it, and it was the best thing we ever did. The best thing we ever did. It taught us how to how to resolve issues well. It taught us how to communicate well. And so I think that, you know, invest in your relationship. Give it 100%. If you're single, prepare yourself for that. When you start dating, give it 100%. Practice the, the things you want to see healthy in a happy marriage for the future. I think uh, for those that are not in a relationship or even in a relationship, but you're not married yet, let me just give you one little piece of advice through a story. Uh, anybody in here ever played Nintendo 64? Anybody ever play that? Come on, make some noise for N64, yo. So N64 was interesting because, you know, you would have a cartridge, you would put it in the Nintendo console, and then you would pull it out, you know, blow it put it back in, you're like, the game's not working. <laughs> put it back in. Um, but the only way you could put something else in is if you got something else out. So a lot of people want a relationship or a significant other, but insecurity is covering that hole or pain is covering this cartridge or there are so many things that are still locked in this console that you need to get free from and it needs to be an open it needs to be vacant if you want a, a good spouse or a godly spouse in that uh, position. And so the best thing you can do before you get married is to get free. Did you hear what I just said? The best thing you can do before you get married is to get free. And ultimately, that starts with a relationship with Jesus. It does. And so if you want to get free, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior because he frees you from your sin. He frees you from your past. And the Bible actually says that you become a new creation. Not, not, a new, not even an upgraded person, but a new creation, like a brand new person. You're not getting, like Beyonce says, upgraded. You're becoming brand new. And that's why you need Jesus in your life. And so it would be a miss for us if we talked about relationships and you ne we never introduced you to the relationship that could change everything. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now because I think it would be really appropriate in a moment like this for some of you to say, I need to start the real relationship first. And I'll be with my Lord and Savior, Jesus. And so if that's you today, 
I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. To say, I need to repent of my sins and start a real relationship with a real Savior that can change my life and actually can dictate and determine the incredible destiny that he has for me. And I'm going to count to three. And on three, I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up to say, uh, you're just indicating, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to start that relationship right, and I want to start with that relationship on the right path. And so if that's you, one, Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much. He died for you. He died on a cross, murdered without a cause, hung high and spread wide on a cross, dripped of every ounce of blood in his body, had a crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hands and his side, and his legs, a spear in his side. And then he went to the grave. People, all hope was lost. All humanity's hope was lost because they thought he was the savior of the world. And, and then he rose again, resurrected from the dead. And so too, today could be your day for salvation. You don't have to wait another day ever to know whether or not you're going to spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, three, shoot your hand up right now and say, I want to I receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I see your hand. Thank you so much, young lady. I see your hand. Thank you so much. And I see your hand. Thank you so much, young man. I see your hand right there in the back. Thank you so much. I see your hand and your hand and your hand. Thank you so much, young man. I'm so proud of you. And I see your hand. Thank you so much, young lady. I'm so proud. All right, why don't everybody repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I want to I turn my life back to you. I want to get it back on the right path. Help me to apply all that I learned today. And I know I have a plan and a future that you have for me. And I believe that God's way is the best way. And so before I have a relationship with someone else, I want my relationship with you to be healthy. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I seal that prayer in their hearts. Pray all the things that we talked about tonight, practices, principles, all these uh, thoughts that we share, Lord. I pray that it would sink down deep into their hearts. I want my church, I want this community to be a community that is so strong in relationship. We're not just going to leave it up to chance and destiny. We're not just going to allow culture to dictate what we do. We are not going to be a statistic. We are not going to see divorces run rampant in our families. We are curse breakers. We are generational changers. We are nation shakers, God. I pray that there be purpose and new identities formed today, fresh vision for their relationships, that things that are occupying our soul right now uh, would be removed, Lord, that insecurity be removed, hurt be removed, and pain be removed, broken hearts be removed, God. I know there's a lot of people in here that look like they got it all together, but we know deep down, Lord, you look at the heart, and I pray that you would heal the heart right now, Lord. I believe relationships are being renewed because they're being renewed. And so, Holy Spirit, do a mighty work on the inside of them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Did that help everybody? I hope that helped a little bit.